Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. I want to begin this program with words that some of you have heard, but some of you have not. And these are words from actually one of my closest friends, almost like a brother, as is his brother David. And uh, somebody who's done so much to make this a better country. And that's Rush Limbaugh from yesterday. And I'll let him speak in his own words. Cut 17, go ahead. Rush Limbaugh, who utterly transformed the radio landscape, made a stunning announcement the other day. The upshot is that I have been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. And I wish I didn't have to tell you this. And I thought about not telling anybody. All right, that's not, that's actually not the right cut, unfortunately. Okay, Rush said uh, yesterday that uh, there's been some digression. Um, That is um, a return in his um, cancer. I mean, the cancer's been there been somewhat under control, but it's progressing again, is what he said. Uh, And he also pointed out that uh, he's just happy every day when he's able to get up awake. And um, it is something when you know, he said, and I wish we had his words, but we don't, uh, when when you know that there is an end period coming. 
And he said it much more articulately than I did. And I I just want to say this. There is no smarter, wiser, more intelligent individual that I've ever known. And um, he has, through radio, through broadcasting, I think he's, uh, he's helped save this country for a period of time. We're headed into a, a very bleak, potentially very bleak period. We're looking into the abyss. And uh, unfortunately, the country can go in either direction. But Russia's a remarkable man. He fights and fights and fights every day. He gets behind the microphone. He could give up. He could say, no, I'm just going to focus on, on me. But he doesn't do that. He very, very strongly wants Donald Trump to get reelected. He very strongly cares about the future of this country. And he wants the best for the people of this country. It's an amazing thing, really. I, I think about my mother and father who recently passed away. And they care very much about the next generation. They care very much about what the country is going to look like down the road. And so it's, it's crucial that we fight, ladies and gentlemen, for future generations, for our children and our grandchildren. They will leave this country better off than, than how we found it. It's very, very important. And uh, we'll find the appropriate audio, and I'm going to play it. I'll dig it up myself, of what Rush had to say yesterday. Because it's very important, it's very poignant, and it's very rush. Uh, And he's not crying on anybody's shoulder, no, he was asked about it, and he's honest. He's a very, very honest man. Has always been a very honest man. I first listened to him, I don't know how many years ago, 25 years ago? So powerful. His words, his program, so alluring. I, I remember my buddy Eric and I. Before I became F. Lee Levin, when we would go to lunch, you know, I worked at Landmark Legal Foundation. I always had the transistor radio with me at the time and my earplugs. Transistor radio and the, and the ear, earplugs. Because I didn't want to miss it. And you still don't want to miss it. He has a way of explaining things that only he can do. You know, all of us are different, but he's, he's unique among the unique. He has a way of explaining things that other people simply cannot do. He looks at things in a very unique way where other people don't look at them. It's really quite remarkable. And he's one of a kind. And I think it was Neil Bortz who first said he's the Babe Ruth of our business, and that's absolutely true. He is the Babe Ruth of this business. But he's the Babe Ruth, period, of patriotism. He's the Babe Ruth of constitutionalism and republicanism. And here's the truth. None of these other syndicated shows would be here but for Rush Limbaugh, and that includes me, and that includes Hannity, and it includes everybody. 
None of them. Not one of them. There was some guy who is on radio today. He wants to be big. He wants to be syndicated. I hear he even wants to take Russia's slot one day. And as depressing and sickening as that thought is. And he wrote, he was whining about the fact that, you know, these guys who are in radio, they don't want to build up other people. They want to enrich themselves. Uh, they don't make room for, you know, the next, the next... I thought to myself, what a punk. What a fool. I admire bricklayers, but this isn't the job that we do here. The number one job is the audience. You don't make ways or anything of the sort. And I thought about my own career. But for Rush, I wouldn't have this career. Neither would Sean, neither would most of us. And I thought about the people I brought on here who've made their own careers, but who I certainly was open to. Whether it was Ben Shapiro, whether it was my buddy, also my other buddy, Dan Bongino, and others who we bring in from time to time. My buddy Michael in Houston. We open up our programs all the time to other people. But the whiners and the complainers and those who think they have a right to step up and be in somebody's slot, in the end they're never going to make it. Because they don't get it. You decide. You decide. But I want you to think of this country without myriad hosts in conservative talk radio. I want you to think of this country without this voice of liberty that we're able to have. They're always attacking it. But that's the other point. They attack conservative talk radio. But they mostly attack Rush. Over the years, they always thought if we could take out Rush Limbaugh, we can take out talk radio. So there are more Individuals or individuals in this business who are more provocative, who say crazy ass things every day, but they're not on anybody's radar screen, so they can get away with it. Rush, they hang on his every syllable. And they have taken one after another campaign to try and destroy him. But they can't destroy him. You know why? Because of you. You won't allow it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. 
All right. It's a lot to get here, uh, too, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you can see the uh, IBF-TIPP poll here. Trump versus Biden race suddenly looks like 2016. Today's Trump versus Biden poll founds the race between President Donald Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden has suddenly gotten much tighter. The IBD-TIPP's latest 2020 presidential poll update shows that Republicans are rallying around Trump. Biden is leaking Democratic support, and the gap among independents is narrowed. The latest IBD-TIPP Trump versus Biden poll update shows the Democratic challenger leading the Republican incumbent by 2.3 points, 48.1% to 45.8%. In a four-way presidential poll of likely voters, the Libertarian, these Libertarians kill us, has 3%, the Green Party 0.9%. Since the organization 2020 presidential tracking poll launched on Monday, October 12, Biden's support has slipped. 3.8 points, from 51.9% to a new low watermark of 48.1%. Trump poll numbers have gone the other way, rising 2.4 points to his new high watermark of 45.8%. Biden's lead peaked at 8.6 points in uh, October 13th presidential poll. Biden's narrow support reflects Trump's gains. More third-party support, more voters who are undecided or declined to say whom they support. Let's see here. I'm just going to get the worthwhile aspects to tell you. Joe Biden's lead among likely independent voters narrowed to a 45 to 41 percent margin. Donald Trump is now having a much easier time corralling Republicans than Biden is having in nailing down Democratic votes. Biden leads 90 to 7% among Democrats. Trump leads 94% to 4% among Republicans. Let's stop there a second. I want you to think about this. You've got these, some of these Republicans, Tom Ridge and Christy Todd Whitman and John Kasich and Colin Powell, who votes for Democrats. Anyway, they're coming out. They want, they want you to think there's this, this juggernaut of Republicans leaving the president. He's got 94% support among Republicans. You look at the Massachusetts governor, flunky. You look at the uh, Maryland governor, flunky, votes for Ronald Reagan, throws his vote away. They're in the 4%. Ben Sass, he's in the 4%. The never Trump Republicans, the Lincoln Project Republicans, they're all in the 4%, not in the 94%. And uh, you look in some of these estates, one poll has the president one point behind in North Carolina, one point behind in Florida. I don't believe he's behind in any of these states, but it doesn't matter. I'm just making a point that it looks like things are closing. When you look at the early vote, the mail-in vote, the earliest of the early vote, you know, they were talking about a huge lead for Democrats. And now you read Democrat strategists saying, "Uh uh-uh, look. The Trump army of Republicans is beginning to show up. So where you have states with in-person early voting, the Republicans are starting to show up. And they're starting to show up big. And so the battle is on. The battle is on. It's a very, very important fact. It really is. And the Democrats, once people know what they stand for, 
Once people understand what they stand for, the Democrats would lose badly. I'll give you an example. Packing the Supreme Court. There's a New York Times poll that just came out today. And this is the enemy. 58% of the people polled oppose it. 31% support it. Now look at the breakdown here. Independent voters oppose it 65 to 25%. Men oppose it 71 to 23%. Women oppose it 47 to 38%. Voters with grad degrees oppose it too. So virtually across the board, the American people are telling Biden to keep his hands off the court. They oppose packing the court. If you say to people, do you think we should shut down oil production in America? The vast majority would say no. Do you think we should shut down the production of natural gas? The vast majority would say no. But they don't, they don't pose it that way. It's like, hey, yeah. Shouldn't we have electric cars and windmills? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Same with health care. If health care was posed the honest way, not the way the Democrats talk about it, the Democrats would be in big trouble on health care. Hey, you, you should be able to keep your pre-existing uh, condition coverage. Well, we all believe that, but that's really not the Democrat way. The Democrat way is, hey, if you have a pre-existing condition, like heart disease or diabetes or something like that, yes, you're not going to get to keep your specialist. You're not going to get to see your doctor. We're not going to pay for most of it, even though they talk about free health care. You're going to wait in long, long lines. See, they'll never ask it the right way, because that's the right way. That's the right way. It's like this Fauci thing. Everybody loves Fauci, right? I don't. I can't stand the guy. He never shuts the hell up, and all he does is say, wear a mask. It's like this guy Fauci. The other days on 60 Minutes, he trashes the president. You know, that was a super spreader there, and I really cringed when the president was there. And so the Washington Examiner asked Fauci if the Women's March, this left-wing kooks, in D.C. was a possible super spreader event. Would you support that? You know what he said? He didn't respond. Because he's a liberal. More than happy to take a question from 60 Minutes trashing the president... But when it comes to the radical left-wing group, the Women's March, hey, isn't that a super spreader event? He didn't respond. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, LevinforHillsdale.com. 
FM, America's Paul Revere. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Have you noticed on this Hunter Biden story how outrageous it is that they keep talking about Russian disinformation? And now we have dozens of former intelligence officers who have no access to anything. This is political saying it has all the earmarks of a classical Russian information operation. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is a Joe Biden disinformation campaign. It says here more than 50 senior intel officials have signed on to a letter outlining their belief that the recent disclosure of emails allegedly belonging to Hunter Biden, quote, has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. More than 50 former senior intel officials have signed on to a letter outlining their belief that the recent disclosure of emails allegedly belonging to Joe Biden's son, well, is a disinformation campaign. And it was signed Monday, and this this is, by the way, what we call pseudo-event. It's not news. This is a concoction. National, uh, uh, Nick Shapiro, a former top aide under CIA Director John Brennan, provided Politico with a letter on Monday, and he knew that he could feed it to Politico, and they would regurgitate it. He noted that intel community leaders who have signed this letter work for past four presidents, including Trump. Now, let me tell you how clever that is. When they say including Trump, they include people who were holdovers, who are in the National Security Office, and not necessarily people appointed by Trump. Former Trump officials, Senator, uh, let's see, Glenn Gerstel, the former NSA general counsel, Rick Leggett, the former deputy NSA director. Well, who appointed them? Mark, whose name I can't re, uh, in, uh, pronounce, a retired CIA senior operations officer. It goes on like this. Now, I just want you to think about this a second. These are individuals who no longer work in the intelligence services, who have access to nothing. And yet their word is worthy of news coverage. Why? Because it pushes a narrative. We have John Ratcliffe, the director of National Intel, who said on Monday, they have no evidence whatsoever, none, of Russian involvement. We've got all kinds of information, all kinds of information, that is traceable, signature of Hunter Biden, Individuals on emails, we have dates, times, we have texts, photographs, videos. And for these 50, that's a classical Russian disinformation operation. Well, for me, this is a classical Joe Biden disinformation operation. Pure politics in bed with the media. It doesn't matter who any of these people are. It doesn't matter what any of their backgrounds are. They don't know a damn thing. Nothing. But Politico puts it out there because Politico is a fraud. It's not a news operation. It's corrupt. So it runs with it. And you're to be impressed that there's 50 people who have served in the intelligence agencies who signed the letter. Now, every one of these individuals, if we were in a court of law, would be thrown out. It's not even hearsay. They haven't heard anything. They haven't seen anything. They're irrelevant to the case. They're irrelevant to this. Period. 
So let me go back to what I've said before, which is, makes this very, very simple. If you're Joe Biden, you pick up the phone and you call your son Hunter and you say, is that your laptop? They have your signature. For all we know, they have security cameras in this little store. Tell me the truth, son. Is that your laptop? Then we have our answer. Because his son would have to say yes. Now, how do I know this? Because if his son said no, they would tell us it's not his laptop. It's that simple. It's not his laptop. It's not his emails. That's not him having sex. That's not him doing drugs. It's not him. It's not his laptop. Son, were you ever in that retail store? See, they're worried there may be witnesses. And as I say, there may be security cameras. Yes or no, son? The answer is yes. How do I know? Because they won't definitively say his son was never in that computer shop. Son, did you ever meet that gentleman who runs the little store there, the computer repair shop? He can't say no. The answer is yes. Why? Because that's the third point. They could say he never met this man. He was never in the shop. And that's not his laptop. Simple. Simple. Son. Number four. Did you sign an invoice or a contract? That looks like your signature, son. He can't say no. The answer is yes. Why? Because it's his signature. Why else? Because they don't deny it. They don't come out and say, that's not his signature. He never signed it. Number five. Son, did your lawyer call the gentleman who runs this computer repair shop and say that he wanted the laptop and the hard drive back? Hunter didn't say no. The answer is yes. Why? Because all they have to say is, my lawyer is Ernie Grabotsky, Esquire, and he never called the guy. But he did call the guy. That's just five instances off the top of my head. Now weigh that against this Politico article. Several dozen former intelligence officials have said this is a classical Russian information operation. It's all the earmarks. What is that? That's, that's nothing. That doesn't mean anything. Now, it's, it's conceivable because Joe Biden is a pathological liar. Has been his entire life. I guess his son is a chip off the old block. It's conceivable at the debate, if he's confronted by the president, he'll lie. Because there won't be time for the truth to catch up. He's got a Praetorian guard obstructing America's ability to get to the truth. And that Praetorian guard, obviously, are the media. But the fact is, it's very easy to say, that's not his laptop, that's not his hard drive, that's not his signature. He never went into the store, he never met the gentleman, and his attorney never made a call. Simple. But we get these smoke screens about a Russian ops, about uh, former intelligence officials who don't know anything, just tell, giving their opinion. In other words, a lot of flack being thrown out there against the wall. 
to try and provide misdirection and deception. And of course, this is what the Democrat Party operatives are doing, and then this is what the media are doing. Now, why are they so concerned about all this? I explained this here. Why, why, don't, why don't they just come out and say, you know what? That's his laptop. Those are his emails. Who gives a crap? He's in business. He's doing business overseas. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? People do this all the time. Well, number one, he's never registered as a foreign agent. We have people now going to prison over that. Uh, Robert Mueller was involved in sending, at least bringing charges on that. And so uh, Hunter Biden has never even registered as a foreign agent. Isn't that shocking, given all the foreign activities he's involved in? But that's not the key point. Because some of the emails are incriminating against Joe Biden. We'd actually have to answer some questions. Joe, Joe, no, Joe, I'm over here. Joe, pay attention. Put down your black and white milkshake and pay attention. I'm over here. Joe, you said repeatedly, we have you on video, just like we have you, uh, that you oppose fracking and oppose fossil fuels, but we have you on video where you said you know nothing about your son's business activities. You've never asked him. We have an email from the number two in Burisma, the former company, uh, where he says... Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you, Joe. And so far, your campaign has said that wasn't on your official schedule. It's possible that you had an informal discussion or meeting with the, with the Burisma executive. Now, nobody asked you if it was on your former schedule. We don't care about that. You're really throwing up too much flack here, too many diversions. We're not interested in that. You said you never asked your son about any of that. Why would you meet with the number two or have a conversation, even an informal conversation with the number two? Moreover, if you did, why isn't it on your official schedule? In other words, what are you hiding? Why isn't it on your official schedule? There's a lot of questions that could be asked of Joe Biden. You'll get none of them from this moderator on Thursday who is a complete left-wing Democrat hack. And the media are running to her defense. Look at this. Everybody's attacking her. It must be the Trump choir out there. It must be Fox and talk radio attacking this poor woman. Yeah, right. Got it. We're the only ones exposing her. And apparently in these emails, we see business deals between Hunter Biden and a company in Kazakhstan. He's got business deals with a uh, communist Chinese front company. Um, and he's dealing with three uh, Chinese who are tied to uh, to communist China's military and intelligence services. Of course, we have uh, we have Hunter working with uh, Prisma, and of course, the issue of uh, Biden interfering by urging the firing of the prosecutor. Uh, that's just dismissed by the media and the Democrats. Well, you know, the, in the European Union, I thought the guy was corrupt. They didn't want him either. And as I keep saying, two things can be true at the same time. That can be a pot on the stove, and it can be hot. Two things can be true at the same time. The European Union may have wanted this guy fired, but it's also possible that Biden obstructed justice. So two things can be true at the same time. 
So every time the media tries something like that, look at this, we have 50 former intel officials. Oh, this must be Russia. Just keep asking yourself the same question. Why won't the campaign deny that's the laptop, the hard drive, his emails, his photographs, his signature, his lawyer? All right, we'll be right back. Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. Here's the part of the clip that I wanted to play for you regarding Russia's comments yesterday. Go ahead. Manageable, but there's always... The reality and the knowledge that that can change and that it can come back because it is cancer. It eventually outsmarts uh, pretty much everything you throw at it. And this, of course, this is stage four lung cancer. It was a lot of people have said, well, why why did you wait until it was stage? There was no way to know when it was stage one is the thing. There would have been no reason to go get a bunch of scans at stage. Stage one, just a bunch of little nodules running around. And even if you got a scan, it showed a bunch of nodules. They say, got to keep a sharp eye on this. There's some nodules here, some nodules there. But it really doesn't present as what it is, this type of cancer, until it's stage four. And stage four is, as they say, uh, terminal. So... We have some recent progression. It's not dramatic, but it is the wrong direction. So we have to tweak the treatment plan, which we did, and the chemotherapy drugs in hopes of keeping additional progression at bay for as long as possible. The idea now is to keep it where it is or maybe have it reduce again. We've shown that that is possible. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Um, and of course, all of our prayers in uh, here in the Levin world go toward our friend Rush Limbaugh. And we will keep plowing ahead as well here. Um, uh, there's another breaking story. Of course, nobody will care but but us over at Right Scoop. That time Hunter Biden got a six-figure yearly retainer from a credit card company while Daddy Biden worked on major credit card legislation. You know, folks, when you consider 
how Donald Trump was abused, how he and his family were investigated, the subpoenas, the interviews, the document demands, and on and on and on. When you consider what happened to him and his family, this is just appalling that Joe Biden gets away with this. On every level. On every level. There's not a congressional hearing of any merit. I know we're close to an election, but the government goes on. You know, life goes on. Uh, No criminal investigation, for sure. No demands for a special counsel except a small group in the House of Representatives. There are demands for a special counsel to look into President Trump and Russia collusion without any predicate, without any factual information whatsoever. You see the liars and the buffoons on CNN and MSNBC in the New York Times and the Washington Post running these, these front stories, these phony stories to divert attention. This is a corrupt family. This is an extremely corrupt family. Joe Biden's been on the public payroll the vast majority of his life. He has all these mansions. But look at his tax returns, Mark. That's the last place you go to look. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Mike Emanuel at, uh, let's see, Fox's special report is reporting that now the FBI and Department of Justice agree those are Hunter Biden's emails. That is his laptop. That is his hard drive. So now what are Politico and... The New York Times and the rest, what are they going to do about it? Are they going to cover the story now? Of course not. So Politico lied to us through obfuscation. The New York Times has been running cover, so they've been lying to us. The rest of the media, by censorship, they've been lying to us. This isn't a Russian disinformation campaign. This is a Biden disinformation campaign and a media disinformation campaign. And let us recall, please... That the biggest disinformation, the biggest interference in the 2016 election was by the Democrat Party, the Obama administration, and the media. Even more than the Russians. We have an enemy within. It's a book that Robert Kennedy wrote, but that phrase comes from Jefferson and Joseph Story and Lincoln and Reagan. We have an enemy within. All roads go through the Democrat Party and the left whatever these so-called professions or institutions are. So now we have the Director of National Intelligence, the FBI, and the Department of Justice saying, no, this is not Russian disinformation. And of course, they could have said that about Russia collusion three and a half years, four years that, that they promoted that because we learned later, as I've mentioned many times, that the top officials of the Obama administration testified in secret and under oath that they had no information of Russia collusion. And the Mueller 
investigation ended the same way, even though they wanted to hang Donald Trump by his feet on a telephone pole. We have the Clinton campaign working with Obama to take out candidate Trump and President Trump. We have the Biden campaign now lying through its teeth. The points that I have raised, and I would encourage the backbenchers on TV and radio to raise, they're starting to because I've raised them now for a few days, about Hunter Biden, need to be pressed. Mr. Biden, Joseph Biden, Mr. Vice President Biden, did you ask your son if that was his laptop? Are you trying to smear me? I asked you a question. Did you ask your son if that's his signature? Did you ask his son if his lawyer made a call to the computer repair shop owner? Did you ask your son if he was present there? Did you ask your son if those are his emails, his videos, his photographs? Did you ask your son any of these questions? If he says no, then you know he's lying. And then you also know that they know that this is all true. And they are doing everything they can, ladies and gentlemen, to skate through the next 13 days. And the the New York Times, the Washington Post, the other uh, phony media outlets are doing everything they can to protect the Bidens. You know, early on, people would say, well, well, that's Rudy Giuliani coming up with the information. Do we not have reporters anymore who actually get off their asses and out of their cubicles and go out and dig up and see if anything's going on that might merit attention? Very few. Most of them on TV do not. Most, almost all of them on cable do not. It's a simple series of questions. Simple series of questions. This Leland Vittert, the other day, I've never been a real fan of his, but I'll tell you what, I was a fan of his when he was pressing that Biden mouthpiece. And he said the same thing. It's a simple question. Is it or isn't it? As to various aspects of the, of the evidence... And she wouldn't answer. And she wouldn't answer. It's so simple. This is, in fact, a real scandal. Joe Biden lied. He tried to cover up his knowledge of what his son's doing. He was on Air Force Two, his son, with Joe Biden. Joe Biden introducing him to a bunch of communist thugs. Why? Why would he do that? Just to take him on a ride? People believe that too? All right, we've got a few more things I want to get into here. Under Article 2 of the Constitution, the state legislatures have the final say on the, uh, on the appointment and choosing of electors for the Electoral College. This, there is no question. It's right there. So Pennsylvania has a very important matter where the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania changed the election laws in Pennsylvania. Now, this is a key state. And uh, as our friend at Legal Insurrection writes, William Jacobson, professor, a 4-4 to SCOTUS Supreme Court split leaves Pennsylvania's Supreme Court changes of the election law in Pennsylvania in place. How important, and he's talking about how important the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett is, because we believe if she were there, she wouldn't have tolerated this. John Roberts joined the three liberals to reject a stay in two cases of a Pennsylvania Supreme Court order that permits mail-in ballots to be counted if received three days after the election, even if the envelope has no postmark. 
That's not what the election law says. That's what the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania says. Now, understand this is a Supreme Court that is loaded with left-wing Democrats. And yet it voted four to three Democrats to change the laws in this state. So even if there's no postmark, Justices Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh would have granted the stay. In other words, they would have prevented the state Supreme Court from violating the federal constitution under Article 2. But John Roberts voted with the leftists on the court. I think I despise him more than virtually any justice, current or past. Because he lied his way to the nomination. Now he's moving further and further left as he's more and more devoured by the social scene in Washington, D.C. The petition for a stay argued in part the Pennsylvania Supreme Court majority acknowledged. There is no ambiguity regarding the deadline set by the General Assembly. To be counted, absentee and mail-in ballots must be received in the office of the County Board of Elections no later than 8 o'clock p.m. on the day of the primary election. Nonetheless, a 4-3 to three vote, the majority ordered a three-day extension of that deadline for the imminent general election and even imposed a remedy that creates a serious likelihood that election officials will count ballots that are cast or mailed after Election Day. Specifically, the majority in the court required election officials to presume that any ballot received by its judicially extended deadline that lacks an intelligible postmark was considered to have been mailed by Election Day unless preponderance of evidence demonstrates that it was mailed after Election Day. Can you imagine the litigation that could be involved here? Thus, under the majority's judicially created presumption in Pennsylvania, ballots without intelligible postmarks here and after non-postmark ballots will be counted even if they are cast or mailed after Election Day, except in the extraordinarily rare case where proof of the untimely casting or mailing can be adduced. The majority's judicial extension and non-postmark ballots presumption are preempted by a trio of federal statutes that set a uniform nationwide federal election day. So it violates state law and federal law. Applicant Republican Party of Pennsylvania thus respectfully requests that the court follow the rule it set forth earlier this year and enter a modest stay of the majority's non-postmark ballots presumption pending disposition of the forthcoming petition and so forth and so on. So the court broke evenly down the middle, four to four, which means the position of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, four to three, four Democrats, stands. Even the left-wing site Axios gets the significance. Why it matters, they say. It's a major win for Democrats that could decide the fate of thousands of ballots in a crucial swing state that President Trump won in 2016. The court's decision may signal how it will deal with similar election-related litigation in other states. And let me comment on that. What John Roberts has now done is open the floodgates for litigation and for appeals to the Supreme Court. It's a disaster. He is a moron. He's not even intelligent. He is a moron. He is a political hack. He is a leaker. He's the worst kind of justice this country could have. Because the word justice shouldn't even be in his title, let alone chief justice. He's the chief hack of the United States. What he did here is appalling. And honestly, he and the three leftists on the court have violated Article 2 of the Constitution of the United States. 
A Pennsylvania Supreme Court decision moved the deadline for absentee ballots to be counted from 8 p.m. on Election Day to 5 p.m. the following Friday. If the U.S. Supreme Court had granted a stay, it would have resulted in a return to the original deadline. In other words, the statute, as passed by the state, the deadlock underscores the importance for Republicans of confirming Trump's Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett, who the president himself has said could be a deciding vote in an election-related dispute. Of course she could, and should be. She's not required to bow down to the demands of the, of the Democrat Party, which is increasingly Marxist and fascistic. So as, prof- as, uh, as Professor Jacobson points out, if Pennsylvania is really close... And a bunch of ballots come in three days later without postmarks to decide the election. It's going to get really ugly. In other words, who sent them in? Where'd they come from? Just all of a sudden they show up. They show up three days after the election when people know what's going on in Pennsylvania. When people know at least the initial results or potentially, all of a sudden a flood of votes come in. They're not postmarked. John Roberts, you are truly an idiot. And I say that with all due respect. I'll be right back. Mark in. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. So Pennsylvania, what can Pennsylvania do? Well, here's the thing. I've been informed that in Pennsylvania, if the Assembly, that is the, uh, the House and the Senate, pass a resolution holding that the decision of the state Supreme Court is null and void as a violation of the federal Constitution, Article 2, that when you pass a formal resolution, a binding resolution in Pennsylvania, the governor has to sign it, and this governor... He's a left-wing Democrat, and he's not going to sign it, despite the fact that the legislature is Republican. Now, I would encourage you all to go back to Article 2. There's nothing in there about a governor or courts or anybody having review. And so my advice to the legislators in the Republican legislature in Pennsylvania is to pass a resolution, but don't send it to the governor. Because the federal constitution trumps whatever that state law is in terms of a governor signing a resolution. They have to have the guts to do this. Well, Mark, they're running out of time. They're not running out of anything. 
In the end, this may wind up again in the Supreme Court, and the legislature is asserting itself, and the legislature is saying, no, I am a delegate in the Pennsylvania legislature, I'm a, a state senator in the Pennsylvania legislature, I have an obligation to the federal constitution under Article 2. I'm obliged by that federal constitution under Article 2 to say no to our Supreme Court, that it doesn't get to choose how we choose electors. The federal constitution is specific. It's the state legislature. So four justices out of seven don't get to change that. Moreover, if the state law requires the signature of a governor in a joint resolution of the state delegates and the state senators, that is the bicameral house of the state legislature of Virginia of uh, Pennsylvania, then we are not going to we are not going to follow that process. We are going to pass a resolution and we are going to send it to the governor and send it to the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, not for their affirmation, not for their signature, not for their assent. We're giving them notice. And we're going to send that to all the counties in the state that they must comply with the existing law. That's what the state legislature in Pennsylvania has to do or will continue to have judicial tyranny in some of these states. And you can thank John Roberts for creating this situation. Because what John Roberts did is appalling. Appalling. Unless you're a liberal ideologue, unless you're a liberal ideologue who wants a certain result in the states, if you're a serious constitutional scholar, you know what Article 2 says. You know how that's supposed to work. If the framers of the Constitution and the ratifiers in the states wanted the Supreme Court of the state, or the Supreme Court of the United States, or the governor of the state to have the final word, they would have said so. But they didn't say that. They never said that. They said the state legislature. And so what this does, what John Roberts has done, and what these four justices in the Pennsylvania Supreme Court have done is basically eviscerated Article 2 of the Constitution. They said, no, nah, no. Nah. They meant state Supreme Court, and in the case uh, of even that, they meant the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, can you imagine the framers in Philadelphia adopting language like that? Can you imagine the ratifiers in the state adopting language like that, turning all this power, this political power, over to the courts? They never did and never would. And I know I'm right about this, in part because the liberals started to attack me about two, three, four weeks ago when I kept raising this, and I went through these scenarios with you. Oh, now the Republican state legislatures are going to steal the election. They don't steal elections. Under Article 2, they're in charge of the elections. That is the state legislature. And if a rogue court with elected justices, and that's what you have on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, chooses to step in and grease the skids for a Democrat presidential candidate. 
A Republican state legislature is not required to just go along and pretend they don't have power under Article 2. So I would tell the state legislators in Pennsylvania, many of whom listen to this program apparently, I don't know what kind of legal advice you're getting. I'm sure he's a wonderful person or they're all wonderful people. Uh, You need to think outside the box and think within the federal constitution's box. And you need to pass a resolution, not for the governor's signature, a resolution of the Pennsylvania State Legislature saying that we uphold Article 2, that the laws as have been passed by the state legislature and signed by the governor in the past are the laws, the election laws that that, that, that apply in this case, and that all voters and all public officials must comply with it. And that includes all courts in this state, state and federal. That's the kind of power you have in Pennsylvania. Don't, don't cede power to these forces, please. You're going to have paint-by-the-number lawyers who are going to tell you, no, this isn't paint-by-the-number. This is the Constitution. I'll be right back. This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. You know, my friends in uh, particularly western Pennsylvania, where there's uh, actual drilling for oil and fracking taking place, you have to decide whether you're going to accept multiple lies from Biden and Harris. Uh, whether you're willing to risk that or lose your jobs and lose your, you lose your livelihood. Now, these are people, if you look at their 110-page Communist Manifesto, who are targeting oil, natural gas, and coal. So you folks in western Pennsylvania who are involved in fracking, involved in coal, natural gas, and oil, and I don't just mean drilling and mining, I mean transporting and the whole economy that's built up around this. Communities, homes, schools, churches, stores. If you're willing to risk everything, then I think that's very foolish. You know where the Democrat Party's headed with this, with the Green New Deal. Now, only when Biden decided to run after the primary and the general election, did he begin lying again? He said repeatedly that he would get rid of fracking. Look me in the eyes, he said. And get rid of fossil fuels. It's in their communist manifesto. Kamala Harris said the same thing. I'm going to be honest with you. I think the 25th Amendment will be triggered if Joe Biden's elected. He's going to be 78 when he's sworn and 82 at the end of the term. God forbid he's elected. He's not going to make it. He's just not going to make it. He's a sick guy. Kamala Harris is going to step right in. And then if they have a Democrat Senate, the Democrat Senate's going to choose the vice president of the United States. The radical environmentalists, the so-called climate change types, control the Democrat Party. They have no use, no use for smokestack industries. They have no use for assembly lines. They have no use for the men and women who work there. They despise you. And you're among the hardest working Americans in the country. 
And so they are going to punish you. And you're going to be without work. You're not going to be able to feed your family. They'll talk about new green jobs, whatever the hell that means. And you know they're full of it. They always do the same thing. But we're finally energy independent, something we've been trying to be for over half a century. And they seek to destroy it. Now, I'm from Pennsylvania, and I know Pennsylvania has different regions that have completely different uh, identities. I'm from a suburb of Philadelphia called Montgomery County. It used to be a reliable Republican county. It's Democrat. Delaware County, Democrat. Chester County, basically Democrat. The county surrounding Philadelphia used to be Republican, And they used to neutralize the city of Philadelphia. So central and western Pennsylvania were kind of rule. But today, Philadelphia and its suburbs, for the most part, obviously those of you listening are not included, but for the most part, strong Democrat strongholds now. And so the only way to balance off that is central and western Pennsylvania. And that's why Joe Biden is lying about fracking. That's why Kamala Harris is lying about fracking. They're going to destroy you. They're going to destroy your communities. Reminds me of the old mining towns when you drive through and you look at those in Pennsylvania and Kentucky, West Virginia and other places, parts of Virginia. We're going to have old fracking towns. It's up to you folks in western Pennsylvania. Is this what you want? And in the president, you have a leader who believes in energy independence, wants to expand it even further, wants to protect our oil fields, wants to protect fracking, wants to protect our coal mines. The Democrats have sided with these radical groups that operate out of these tall skyscrapers in San Francisco and Manhattan. And seek to destroy your livelihoods. Pennsylvania shouldn't be close. I'm from Pennsylvania. I know it's always close. But Pennsylvania shouldn't be close. There's good, hardworking people in that state. And Joe Biden is not a Pennsylvanian. I grew up in Pennsylvania. I left Pennsylvania after, after law school. Constantly coming back to Pennsylvania because my parents lived in a town called Elkins Park in Cheltenham Township, Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. And before that, they lived in a place called Erdenheim, Pennsylvania. After that, they lived in a place called Springfield, Pennsylvania. So we're Pennsylvanians. My parents were born in North Philadelphia. I was born in Philadelphia. I went to Temple University in Philadelphia. I went to Temple Law School in Philadelphia. I was elected to my school board in Cheltenham Township. I spent more time in Pennsylvania and in a significant way than Joe Biden ever has. And he pretends he's, a, he's of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Joe Biden left Scranton, Pennsylvania. I think he was five years old. His father picked up and they went to Delaware. That's not that he has no roots in Pennsylvania. He pretends he does. He has no roots in Pennsylvania at all. He builds these four or five mansions. They're all in Delaware. I mean, Pennsylvania is right on the border. He could have slipped one of them into Pennsylvania. Oh, no, 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 can't do that. 
It's not a Pennsylvanian. And so what's going on and goes on in central and western Pennsylvania are key. The president will win or lose Pennsylvania based really on the turnout in central and western Pennsylvania. And my fellow conservatives in and around Philadelphia, you have to turn out in big numbers too. Every vote counts in Pennsylvania. Very, very important. But I know the state. I know it extraordinarily well. 1976. I was very active in Pennsylvania on behalf of the Reagan campaign. We lost to Gerald Ford, which meant we lost, period. 1980, again, very active in the Reagan campaign. All over Pennsylvania, especially southeastern Pennsylvania. I know Pennsylvania. I know Philadelphia. I know the Philadelphia suburbs. But I know the rest of Pennsylvania, too. It's a beautiful, wonderful state. It really is. The state of people who have deep faith. The state of people who believe in the death penalty. I'm not talking about the liberals in the cities. Much of the state opposes abortion. Pennsylvania has the highest percentage. Uh, let me do it. The highest per capita union rate in the nation. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? The highest per capita number of union members. That's the language. In the nation. In the nation. People there work very hard. I just hope they aren't fooled. Because you've got a radical left-wing agenda. And the radical left-wing agenda is aiming... Let's say you're a union member in Pennsylvania. And you're in the oil business one way or another. Let's say you're you're actually involved in fracking. Hands-on. You have a decent paying job, you have decent health care, and a decent pension. You make a decent living so you can take care of your family. The Democrats want to attack your living, what you do for a living. They want to attack the health care you've earned through negotiations with your employer. And of course, with the stock market plummeting by the time they're done, your union pension will hit the floor. Your job, your health care, your pension are all at risk. And that includes your community and your neighborhood and your homes. It has a domino effect. It has a domino effect. We should be embracing and celebrating the fact that we're energy independent. We should be thanking the men and women who are involved in the oil industry and the coal industry. People who are involved in providing us with electricity and all these these energies. We should be thanking them. We should be rewarding them. We should be embracing them. Instead, well, I don't know what Joe Biden said 1,500 times he was against fracking and fossil fuels. But no, 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 no. He says that's a lie. Donald Trump's lying. Donald Trump's not lying. Donald Trump saw and heard everything we've seen and heard. And Kamala Harris is even worse. And she's poised to claw her way into the Oval Office. Why do I say claw? Well, look how she became DA. Look how she became Attorney General. She'll do anything for power, pretty much. But Joe Biden's, 
he claws his way into power too. He's clawed his way to the nomination. Third time's a charm for him, and he thinks he's going to slide right into the Oval Office. He appears in Pennsylvania a couple times, talks about his, his ties to Scranton, of which he has none, then run back to his mansion in the basement. Lunch Bucket Joe, yeah, right, whose son is all over the world, pocketing millions, and Joe Biden doesn't know a damn thing about it. You believe that? And so I'm talking about a state I know. I'm talking about a people I have a, a real attachment to. When you drive through Pennsylvania, it's a beautiful, beautiful state. But it's also populated with, with smaller industrial cities from the past, as well as those that operate now. You go through Reading and Johnstown and so many beautiful areas of the state. It's a great state. I just hope it doesn't fall to, uh, to Biden's lies and then the people punish, wind up punishing themselves. You've been warned. You've been warned about Biden. You've been warned about Harris. You've been warned about their intentions to destroy your, your economy. You've been warned. And I don't think you should uh, play the lottery with your families, with your livelihoods, and with your community. We'll be right back. Mark in. All right. Man, I've got so much to get to here. But you know what? It's important to slow down and discuss a number of topics, too. Well, let's take a call. I said I would take some calls. Lynn, Cleveland, Ohio, Sirius Satellite. Lynn, how are you? Hey, I am fine. How are you, Mark? Very well, thank you. <laughs> it's so good to talk to you. You know, you're amazing. I listen to you every day if, if I can. And, thank you. Uh, I love your articulate way of expressing the love for our country. I cry almost every day because I am one of those kids that used to say the Pledge of Allegiance. I was a Girl yep. Scout. But what I wanted to talk about was, you know, Joe Biden and uh, Kami Law Harris, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, she's something else. But anyway, that's pretty uh, good. I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> I did think of it. Yeah. Um, you know what? As far as fracking, I listened to the flip flop back and forth bull loney. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter what they say. I believe if they say they're not going to frack uh, or if they will frack, if they say they will, they're going to make it so difficult for, for any state that does that to, uh, you know, conform to their regulations, uh, taxing, whatever. It's, it's just going to just burn out the whole system. And that's just the only thing I wanted to and, and 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 they're not just targeting western Pennsylvania and these other states. They are targeting every state that fracks every state where there's oil pipelines, every state where there's coal mining. They're going to go after the steel manufacturers, the aluminum manufacturers. They're going to go after everything. I mean, and they're not kidding. And so uh, the industrial heartland of America, you know, when you read their manifestos, and I do this all the time, morning, noon, and night, and weekends, when you read what they're really up to, the AOCs and her ilk, They want to reverse the Industrial Revolution. They believe the Industrial Revolution was the worst economic revolution in the history of mankind. And so they seek to reverse the Industrial Revolution. As the Communist Chinese are on the move 
are trying to out-strategize out us. We've got a two-front war going on here. I've talked about this for a long time. We've got a two-front war going on here. One, with the radical left and the Democrats, and two, with the communist Chinese. And we, are, uh, we do have an enemy within, and we are hollowing out this country. And if this Biden team wins, all these union Democrats... All these, uh, all these people who live in these communities who think that Joe Biden is a moderate, he's going to help them, he's going to destroy them. He's going to destroy them. Lynn, are you still there? Yes, I am. And I, I am so glad to, to have a voice of reason every day because sometimes I get worried. Some of my friends, you know, things, people that you think are, are logical and have common sense are like... You know, they're, they're voting for Biden, and, you know, it's, it's hard to be a person. That's that because they are, they, are, they are corralled by the culture. They are corralled by, by their social friendships. They're corralled by the news. It's the in thing to do, the cool thing to do, and it is shooting yourself in the temple. Thank you for your call, Lynn. We'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. We have two wonderful guests who will be on shortly. Dan Sullivan, senator from Alaska in a very tight race. And we want to see if we can help him. And August Fluger, who is running for the House in Texas 11. All important cases, uh, races. But before we do, I want to read something to you. And I hope... I hope you'll listen to this. And by the way, you don't have to be Jewish to understand what I'm talking about here. As a matter of fact, this audience is filled with righteous Gentiles, and I want to thank you all, each and every one of you. This is a piece that was posted over at the Powerline blog. It starts off, Joseph Biden, like his mentor, Barack Obama, seems to get off on talking tough to Israeli leaders. In this guest post, Stephen Silbiger recalls an early instance of such behavior. He goes on to call out American Jewish leaders for their self-interested disregard of what a Biden administration would mean for Israel and its supporters. Stephen Silbiger was no Republican. He was the chief legislative aide to Congressman Stephen J. Salars of Brooklyn, who was a Democrat. He also was the lobbyist for the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, AFSCME, was the Washington representative for the American Jewish Congress. He's currently practicing law in Washington. Before the Democrat Party's lurch to the left and his elevation by Barack Obama, Joe Biden saw himself as a quasi-Dixiecrat. 
In his first try for the Democrat presidential nomination, he bragged that he had received an award from George Wallace, as I'm the one who raised that, and boasted that Delawareans were on the side of the South in the Civil War. In 1982, he was probably beginning to plan that campaign. Biden thought he could appeal to the perceived nativism of the Dixiecrats by publicly threatening to cut off aid to the Jewish state. In July of that year, he used an appearance of Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begin, a great man, before the Senate Finance Committee to threaten to cut off aid to Israel. After enduring Biden's fist-pounding tirade, Begin responded with the eloquence that was his trademark, looking directly at Biden, and he said the following, Don't threaten us with cutting off aid to Israel. It will not work. I am not a Jew with trembling knees. I'm a proud Jew with 3,700 years of civilized history. Nobody came to our aid when we were dying in the gas chambers and ovens. Nobody came to our aid when we were striving to create our country. We paid for it. We fought for it. We died for it. We will stand by our principles. We will defend them. And when necessary, we will die for them again, with or without your aid. This is what he says to Biden. The always proper and dignified Begin then lectured Biden on his manners. Looking directly at Biden, he said, This desk is designed for writing, not for fists. Remember, Biden was pounding his fist. Biden's behavior was so out of line that immediately afterwards, Senator Moynihan approached the Israeli Prime Minister and praised him for his cutting reply. Unfortunately, much of the American Jewish community is composed of Jews with trembling knees. Although Donald Trump has been the most pro-Israel president in history and will receive a record Jewish vote, he may receive fewer votes than Joe Biden, a lot fewer. Despite Biden's checkered record on Israel and his support for reinstating Obama's deal with Iran, a disaster for the United States and Israel. It has now been established beyond any reasonable doubt that the Ayatollah's nuclear program has no peaceful purpose and is designed to fulfill his stated goal of destroying the Jewish state. And there is no doubt that a democratic victory will encourage the most belligerent elements in the Arab world to step up their terrorism and viciously target Jews for matter. Yet democratic operatives who are afraid of their political futures and Jewish Wall Street financiers afraid of missing out on deals are working overtime to defame Donald Trump. And yes, I say that as a Jew, and the fellow who wrote this, Marenkoff, is a Jew also. It was not surprising that Begin invoked the Holocaust in responding to Biden. Begin's parents, his older brother, numerous relatives and friends were killed by the Nazis. Begin's speeches were full of references to the Holocaust. And like many European Jews, he was critical of American Jewry's failure to push Roosevelt to do more to save American Jewry. Excuse me, European Jewry. However, even Begin would have to admit that Roosevelt was better than the current crop of Democrats. After all, Roosevelt fought Hitler and did not fund him. The Obama-Biden administration gave the Ayatollahs of Iran, who called for the annihilation of the state of Israel, and the more than 6 million Jews who live there, $150 billion. And following the receipt of the money, Iran stepped up its activities in Syria, Yemen, and Iraq, which have resulted in the displacement of millions of people and the death of hundreds of thousands of civilian Muslims. Iran also funded Hamas, an Islamic jihad in Gaza, 
which sent and continues to send rockets into Israel. Is there any doubt that American money sent to Iran paid for the murder and maiming of Jews hit by Hamas and Islamic Jihad rockets? Even though the current Democrat Party includes many office holders who want to boycott Israel and eliminate American support for the Jewish state, Jewish Democratic operatives and Wall Street traders are hoping that if they support Biden and go along with some criticism of Israel, they can still flourish in Democrat political and financial circles. But they may soon realize that this is not assured in today's woke Democrat Party. If they want to see their future, they should look at what happened to Elliot Engel, the about-to-be former member of Congress from New York. Engel was a loyal Democrat congressman from the Bronx and parts of Westchester County. Although he fundraised aggressively among pro-Israel Jews, he trimmed his sales when he was being challenged in the primary by a Bernie Sanders socialist. Although he was chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, he did not go to the opening of the American Embassy in Jerusalem. He used his chairmanship to actively and vociferously support the impeachment of Donald Trump. He even spoke at a rally protesting police brutality. And despite all his kowtowing to the extreme left, he was challenged and defeated by a Bernie Sanders Democrat in the party. Bernie Sanders leftists will not be appeased. Sanders may claim he's a democratic socialist, but he's an admirer of the old Soviet Union and still supports communist countries such as Cuba. He was so blinded by his hatred of the United States that he honeymooned in the Soviet Union in 1988. He came back singing the praises of that totalitarian country with a dysfunctional economy the year before it collapsed. If you research Sanders' organization, the Democratic Socialists of America, you'll find vicious, hate-filled attacks on the United States. And you will see people proclaiming themselves to be communists. That organization includes many totalitarians who seek total power the way Lenin did. They see Biden as a vehicle to gaining that power. As Hitler saw being part of Hindenburg's government as a way to total power. The totalitarian world that Sanders and his followers are determined to impose on the United States. There is no room for Israel or for Jews or non-Jews who see Israel as a democratic ally and strategic asset. This is from Powerline. Powerline Powerline.com. Powerlineblog.com. The reason the New York Times doesn't do an expose of the Jew-hating and Israel-hating anti-Semites in the Democrat Party and in the Biden campaign is because the New York Times has the same problem. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. 
And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Dan Sullivan is a senator from Alaska, and he's in quite a battle. Senator, how are you, sir? Hey, Mark. Great to be on the show. I'm doing great. Thank you. It's a pleasure. We've never met before, so this is as good a time as any. Um, Well, look, I'm a big fan. You do an amazing job for our nation, so thank you uh, in a lot of ways. Tell, uh, I appreciate that. Tell, Tell the nation a little bit about your background. Well, look, I ran in 2014. I'd never run for anything, right? I was the attorney general for the state of Alaska. I was the commissioner in charge of natural resources and energy. And what I witnessed, what I witnessed was Obama, Biden, and Harry Reid shutting down my state, killing thousands of jobs, putting liberals on the Ninth Circuit. And, you know, I'm a colonel in the U.S. Marine Corps. I'm still serving. 26 years in, I'm the only member of the Senate still serving in the military. And I watched him cut defense spending by 25%, gutted readiness. So I had a deployment in Afghanistan in 2013, came home and said, sat down with my wife and daughter saying, you know what, every now and then you just got to do this. So I threw my hat in the ring, beat an incumbent Democrat and promised Alaskans we would turn it around on energy, on judges, on rebuilding our military, on access to our federal land. And we have done it in Mm -hmm. every single one of these areas. But, you know, like a lot of my colleagues, I got a tough race. So it's it's, uh, we're running on a great record. But the Senate right now, as you know, Mark, is the firewall for freedom, and my uh, my seat is uh, one of those that's up. Tell us about your opponent. Well, look, I got a guy who claims he's an independent, but he's not. He he tells one thing to Alaskans, and he's a far-left liberal. Mm-hmm. He tells other things to his uh, lower 48 uh, donors, and... You know, what's happened in Alaska is the last three months, like it's happened all over the country, this guy with Schumer's super PAC, they've probably dumped in, in the last three months, $20 million wow, in Alaska. Wow. Now, $20 million, just so you know, and your listeners know, that's like $100 million in North Carolina, right? I mean, it is an unbelievable amount of money. And this guy will empower Schumer and what I call the anti-Alaska, which is really anti-America agenda. It's shredding the Second Amendment. It's uh, gutting our military again, which they will do. It's, uh, you know, uh, no Anwar. We got Anwar open. That's a huge deal in Alaska. They've already come out against that and drilling on federal lands. So my opponent will empower the Schumer Senate majority if he's elected. And as you know, uh, that's not good for Alaska, but that's not good for America at all. We gotta we gotta keep the Republicans in control of the U.S. Senate. I'm talking to uh, Senator Dan Sullivan. He's in a tight race. How tight is this race, Senator? Well, you know, we're uh, we're getting outspent right now, Mark. Probably five to one, mm. five to one. So, as you know, you can have good polls. I, I have, you know, I have a strong, strong record that I'm running on, as I mentioned. But when you take uh, incoming like that uh, for for months, it can start to do damage. And, you know, so 
If your listeners are interested, Dan Sullivan for Alaska.com, Dan Sullivan for Alaska.com. Every far left group in the country is donating to my opponent. I think we got five Schumer related super PACs in Alaska right now. And again, uh, we have the record, we have the vision, not just for Alaska, rebuilding our military. Well, look what you know, you talk about all the time, Mark, what we've done for, with judges. Even the Ninth Circuit, right, mm-hmm. is almost uh, even, Stephen, in terms of Democrats and Republicans. And, you know, the key one that I care deeply about is rebuilding our military. I chair the Readiness Subcommittee on the Armed Services Committee, so I've been in charge of rebuilding our readiness with the Trump administration. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm still serving in the Reserves uh, as a Marine Corps Special Operations uh, Officer. And... Uh, but we know where they're going to go with this. I just debated Bernie Sanders and Schumer on their, no kidding, they called it this, the defund the military amendment. This is when we're getting ready to pass the National Defense Authorization Act. So we beat them, but uh, that's all at stake, as you know. It's such a big state geographically, and the population is relatively uh, small. How do, you, how do you have a ground game in that state? I guess you go after relatively populated areas. Well, we, we, have a, we have a really good ground game. You know, we, we get out. I've been campaigning all over the state. You know, um, my opponent is kind of like the uh, Joe Biden of Alaska, sits in his basement, does Zooms with rich lower 48 uh, liberals. But we're out there meeting with Alaskans. Alaskans, you know, you're, you're right. It's a huge state. But uh, the population is small, 730,000 people, and they expect to see their senators, their elected representatives. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, we, you know, I'll tell you this, in 2014, we were massively outspent. But we had a great ground game. And the key issue, Mark, is we had the better ideas. Alaskans want a strong economy that's resource development-based. They want a strong mil- military. They value, like any state, our Second Amendment rights. And they want access to our lands. When you when you live in a state that's 66% owned by the federal government, the ability to access that land is huge. The National Dems will shut it down in a heartbeat. This president, working with the Republican Senate, has been really strong on this. So these are the key issues. It's what we're running on, a strong record. These are the things I promised in 2014. We got them done. But as you know, and I'm sure your listeners know, if you're being outspent five to one, which is what's happening right now in the great state of Alaska, it can make for a tough race. Well, Levinites out there, if you can help Senator Sullivan, and you know the senators vote on issues that affect the whole country, uh, it's important that we hold the senators. Dan Sullivan for Alaska.com. Dan Sullivan for Alaska.com. If you can donate some money to his campaign, I want to strongly encourage you to do that. We'll take your opponent on. He's welcome to come on. None of these, none of these liberals ever come on the show. But Dan Sullivan yeah. for Alaska.com. If you can help him out, please do it. Let me ask you something. What is sure. this pebble mine? I, so they keep bringing up this pebble mine, and they keep trying to say you oppose it or support it. What's that all about? So, look, the pebble mine issue is we have, we have a lot of big resource development projects in Alaska. And they all have to meet a very high bar on the environment. I, you know, I used to be in charge of that for state projects. And um, this one, under the Trump administration, didn't meet that high bar. I mean, it didn't. It was uh, viewed as too risky for the really important uh, 
Bristol Bay Salmon Run, right where the mine was going to be. So I've come out against the mine. My opponent has tried to make this a huge deal, um, running very false ads, uh, saying I'm for it when I've unequivocally come out against it because the, you know, they went through this permitting process at the federal level and under the Trump administration didn't meet the high standard that we have. However, this is the key issue for Alaska, Mark. Um, there are so many other projects uh, that we are getting permitted that are going to be really important for the future of our state and jobs. Anwar is one. Huge deal in my state. 45 years we've been trying to get that open. By the way, huge mm-hmm. deal for America in terms of mm-hmm. energy independence. The National Petroleum Reserve of Alaska, that's another huge area that's recently been permitted. The Obama administration tried to shut that down. We have mo- other mines that have been permitted. And at the national level, if you get the National Democrats back in office, they will do what they did during Obama-Biden, which is shut all of that down. I witnessed it. I fought it as attorney general. I sued these guys all the time. But as you know, they're just, they're not for energy. And that's one of the crazy things right now. Alaska is an energy state. We have this incredible energy renaissance that's happening not just in Alaska, but in America. Well, Senator, we have to go, but I want to strongly encourage the entire country to get behind you and go to DanSullivanForAlaska.com. You're exactly right. We're energy independent and Alaska's key. We can't have some leftists in Alaska. We wish you all the best, sir. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, Liberty's General Patton. Call into the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Our goal is to hold on to the presidency, hold on to the Senate, and take the House and remove Nancy Pelosi. And I have, as a public service, brought you a number of candidates, particularly in the House, who have a real shot at winning with our support. And I wanted to introduce you to August Fluger of Texas, 11th District. How are you, sir? Mark, I'm doing great. How are you tonight? Very, very well. Now tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Mark, thanks for having me. I am a Texan, seventh generation. Grew up in a ranching family, went to the Air Force Academy, spent 20 years as a fighter pilot. Uh, We will not uh, have any public service announcements about my uh, acting skills on Texas Reloaded, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? uh, That's very cool. (laughs) 
it was it was good. Um, you know, I, I had the pleasure of serving in a lot of different places, including the Pentagon, the White House, and now looking to represent a 29-county district that has a tremendous amount of oil and gas and agriculture. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the towns in this uh, Texas 11th? So the, the biggest towns that we have here, Midland, Odessa, mm-hmm. San Angelo, which is where I'm from, Granbury, Llano, it's a, it's a pretty rural district. It's, a, again, like I said, 29 counties, but uh, we might be rural, but we have uh, 40% of the country's oil that is produced here. Well, if they eliminate fossil fuels and fracking, you're going to be in trouble in that county, aren't you, in that district? I tell you what, it's not us that's going to be in trouble. It's the whole country that's going to mm-hmm. be in trouble uh, because we are producing oil at a uh, at a rate which has allowed us to be energy independent, has allowed our economy to thrive, has allowed us to be a net exporter uh, of this, which strengthens our position all throughout the world. And as a national security policy advisor for President Trump in the, in the National Security Council, this is critical uh, to our future. Now tell us about your opponent. You know, we've got a couple of opponents. I actually have a Democrat opponent and a libertarian. Um, Good Lord. uh, The Democrat actually is a, uh, um, he supports Nancy Pelosi, the policies that she's put forth, whether that's the Green New Deal or um, repealing the the tax, uh, 2017 tax reform. Uh, And I look at this district and, and we're, you know, just that doesn't fit with what we need, doesn't fit with what the country needs. Uh, and so uh, having served around the world, throughout the United States, uh, it's critical that we that we maintain these tax cuts, that we maintain our ability to be prosperous and produce the things uh, like agriculture that, that allow our country to, to be what we are. But what's your, what's your opponent's background? Uh, he's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it's uh, it's one of those things. Um, you might be a nice person, but when it comes down to policies, uh, nice is not good enough. He's a leftist, you're telling us. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And this libertarian is in the race, what, just for jollies? You know, that's a good question. Um, probably so. Raised uh, less than $5,000 and, um, you know, has wants less government, so do I. Uh, wants less interference, so do I. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's, you know... Not, not a lot of daylight on the, what we want, uh, just uh, maybe getting getting to the point of actually going to D.C., representing, using your experiences like I have had over the last 20 years uh, to understand how we can get things, you know, to continue to move in the right direction. What kind of district is this politically? Well, I mean, look, it's it's a fantastic district because people believe in... Could I mean more values. Republican, Democrat, marginal? What is it? Yeah, it's it's definitely more Republican. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we are battling it out for the most Republican district in the country, which hopefully in this election we can take that mantle and we can we can run with it. But but people believe in family. They believe in the Second Amendment. They believe in in the sanctity of life. But more than that, they just want to work hard and do the right thing for the next generation. Which is why we stood up to say, yes, I will be a voice for a district that does all those things and is adding to the value of our national security. How's the uh, fundraising going for both sides, if you know? You know, we're, we're still working hard, Mark. I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, I think what we see in and around the state of Texas is millions of dollars being poured in from the Democrats that, you know, they, 
they say Texas is in play. I don't believe that, but we have to work hard. And so we are still working very hard, as you saw in Texas Reloaded, um, as you've seen in a number of different things around the country. We're, we're working very hard to continue to get our message out uh, that we are going to be a voice for our conservative values. Mm-hmm. So you need support. You need money. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it's, it's critical that we continue to, to lead, to take a position of leadership, to use the experiences that we've had, uh, and we can use all the support that we can get. So if people want to help you, where do they go? Augustflueger.com. Mm-hmm. And just, it's very easy, A-U-G-U-S-T, P like Paul, F like Frank, L-U-G-E-R.com. Texas Reloaded, I'm the guy that's uh, helping the Army, working on the helicopter, uh, F-22 pilot, so I've got a lot of combat experience, but you'll notice that uh, Dan Crenshaw and Wesley Hunt and I are having a little banter between the Army, Navy, and Air Force, but augustfluger.com is where people can see my website and read a little bit about uh, me and, and my roots. All right, that's august, P-F-L-U-G-E-R, fluger.com, augustfluger.com. All right, August Fluger, we wish you all the best, my friend. Mark, thanks for having me. Thanks for what you do. Uh, God bless this country, and and I pray that the silent majority will be silent no longer on November 3rd. Let's get that vote out and make this happen. Amen. God bless you, and good luck. Thank you. All right. He sounds like he'd be a terrific member of the House, doesn't he? Like he wouldn't take any you-know-what from the left. AugustFluger.com, August, P-F-L-U-G-E-R, augustfluger.com, another great candidate. You know, uh, it's very important that, you, that the nation, that we know our candidates, that we know who's running, that we know who's solid, that we know who needs help. And in the Senate, uh, I'm even supporting people who are not ultra, ultra solid, but we've got to draw a line. I, I don't want to lose the, uh, the Supreme Court. I don't want to lose the Senate. I don't want to lose the filibuster rule. So we just have to do what we have to do. Just have to do what we have to do. And I want you to know that uh, every uh, senator who's in a tough race that we contacted, except Cory Gardner, never got back to us. And uh, Joni Ernst has turned us down from Iowa. You can take it up with her. I have no idea, but that's their problem. It's not mine. Bill Benton, Kansas, the great KNSS. Bill, how are you, sir? Okay. I guess he's not doing very well. Jim Buford, Georgia, I believe. Sirius Satellite. Jim, how are you? I'm doing good, Mark. Thanks for taking my call, and I appreciate what you said about the people in Pennsylvania, the coal miners, the steel mill workers, the railroad workers. In 1990, we were laid off, or they shut everything down, thanks to people like Joe Biden and Al Gore, Jimmy Carter, and Bill Clinton. They actually even tore the railroad up in Cambria and Indiana County. So you know they're not coming back. Mm-hmm. So people believe that uh, Biden's going to help them out. No, he's just going to take your union money and kiss my butts, which he's going to do. You know, uh, Anthony Scalia wrote so many beautiful lines as a, as a fantastic justice, fantastic writer. And he would say of Joe Biden, I'll steal a phrase from him, okay, Jim? He would say, Joe Biden is a wolf in wolf's clothing. <laughs> and I think he is. I mean, I, I, I just, look, he's a front man. He's a foil for the radical left. The radical left includes the, uh, the phony uh, climate change uh, leftists, the, uh, the Green New Deal leftists, uh, 
the uh, the race baiters. It goes on and on and on. Whatever the issue is, it's the same crowd pretty much. And Joe Biden is uh, is is their candidate. And by hook or by crook, they're going to institute what they want. Can you imagine if they have the Senate, the House, and the presidency, Jim? It's scary. It's scary. Uh, my question is: Are these people with the green the Green Deal? They want to do away with coal, gas, oil. Okay, where are you going to get the steel to make your cars? You need coal. They always get. That's the thing. Even in the most uh, aggressive uh, Marxist or fascistic regimes, the people who rule live very, very well. You can see it in Venezuela and Cuba. You can see it in uh, China. And you can see it in Russia. You can see it in Iran. They do fine. And they talk about... You know, the great evil here, Jim, is they pretend they're a people's movement. And so they claim to represent the people, the little guy, and you're going to get free college, and you're going to get free health care, and you're going to get free this and that. And we all know they're not, because it's an impossibility. But they have, they have seized power. They have secured uh, office. They have centralized their authority. Look at California. Look at some of these other states. So it doesn't much matter what the people think. And they continue with this, uh, we represent the people, the little guy against the big guy. They represent themselves, period. Oh, they, they just care about themselves. I've been over the road for 30 years since 1990 when we got laid off. And the day that Trump uh, was sworn in, me and another truck driver was in Georgia. I, I still live in Cambria County, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And we almost came to tears when he was getting sworn in and the speech that he made. So I hope we may be able to do that again. I'm very, very worried. You know, guys like you, uh, people who, uh, who make this country work, who feed it, who fuel it, who protect it, you're hated. And so it's basically the, the people, I'm just being honest, with advanced degrees, uh, who sit around in these think tanks, who are funded by billionaire leftists, they want to blow you guys out. And uh, I worry about it a lot. Joe Biden, people, too many people are getting sucked in by this guy. That's why they're hiding him. And too many people believe he's, uh, he's the working man's uh, a vice president, potentially. He's none of these things. He's absolutely none of these things. I'm looking at this uh, report here, Jim. And it says, in some states under the Biden-Harris tax plan, Taxes are going to go up over 60%. Yep. And that means you break your ass, you work, you earn a dollar, and by the time you're done, and that's just that, and can you imagine all the other fees and charge? What are you going to take home, 30 cents on the dollar? You're lucky you're going to be able to carry, take home a dime. Well, enough is enough. All right, my friend, Jim. Good call. I appreciate it. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. 
And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. This guy, Mark Zuckerberg, is a very, very dangerous man. In John Solomon and Just the News, Zuckerberg money used to pay election judges, grow vote, and Democrats' stronghold memos reveal. Documents produced by the city of Philadelphia, which is utterly corrupt, under a federal court order show millions of dollars in nonprofit grant money donated by Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg is being used to quadruple the number of voting places and massively grow the number of ballots cast in the Democratic stronghold of Philadelphia on Election Day. The memos were turned over in a federal lawsuit filed by the conservative Thomas More Society, and they detail how city election officials filed a grant request in August to the Zuckerberg-funded Center for Tech and Civic Life by promising to open 800 polling places and grow voting to as many as 800,000 ballots cast in the general election. You have these billionaires who are diabolical, setting up these front groups, or using these front groups for political purposes. The number of promised polling places is more than four times the 190 polling places opened during the city's pandemic-affected primary earlier this year. And the promised turnout is estimated to be as many as 120,000 voters larger than the 2016 presidential election, which drew about 680,000 voters. And most of these are Democrats. About 80% of the vote went to the Democrats in the city of Philadelphia in 2016. Zuckerberg announced several weeks ago he has donated $250 million. $250 million to the Center for Tech and Civic Life to help local governments across the country hold elections this fall. In the midst of the pandemic, he has since augmented the amount with another $100 million. And so they're basically targeted in these Democrat areas, these heavily populated Democrat areas, to open more precincts, to print more ma- ballots, and to elect more leftists, and to tip purple states the blue and red states the purple, in addition to his censorship campaign over there at Facebook. Now, something does need to be done about this. I don't believe there's a free market conservative out there who believes they should leave this alone. We're not anarchists. We're conservatives. And what's happening here is they're using the tax laws now to affect elections. They're using front groups to affect elections. It's amazing, you know, the Democrats always talk about all the dark money in politics, all the wealthy in politics. We've got to get the rich. We've got to get... But for the dark money, but for the front groups, but for the billionaires, the Democrat Party wouldn't have much to run on, ladies and gentlemen, in terms of finances. That's just the damn truth. It's just the truth. And you might say, well, no, wait a second. Didn't you say under the Biden plan some people be paying 60 or 62 percent? Yes. But why do you think these billionaires do this? Because they create carve-outs for themselves to protect their own asses. That's why. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Thank you, America. Thank you for being here. I am blessed. We are all blessed. I'll see you tomorrow. Same place, same time. Okay? See you then.
from the Westwood One Podcast Network.